Good morning, Victoria. And how are you today? Good day to you, Ando. Now, hang on. Ando. Yeah, that's what they say in America. I'm, that When I landed at LA and picked up my hire car, there was a lady there saying, uh, rental car for Mr. Ando. Which, I thought uh, you said Renault car. I was like, is that what they do in America? They go, here's a Ford car. And there is a Ford car. That was very good. <laughs> no, I got a rental car, a rental car. And it was, um, it was a minivan. <laughs> for a maxi or, as guy. They, as, they say, <laughs> as they say in Get Shorty, the Cadillac of minivans. <laughs> <laughs> God, your quotes are getting even more highbrow these days. <laughs> <laughs> eyebrow or highbrow. I'm I've very got... highbrow, you know that. You are, your eyebrows are way up there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have a look at our Twitter. The only social media we do. We should have a Facebook, a website and an Instagram. And you do have an... I I have one photo on my Instagram. (laughs) I have an Instagram. And all I ever put on it is Jim Shelfies with my daughter. Shelfies? Shelfies. Jim Jim Shelfies. (laughs) Ah. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. (laughs) I'll just take this gym selfie then. (laughs) I've got a confession. Oh, God. Go on then. Confess, my child. Instead of turning up to the podcast as invited. Father Benedict. (laughs) Father Benedict, that's right. Instead of turning up to the podcast, go on. I ate... And I lied and I blamed it on my daughter that she needed something. I, I enjoyed that piece of food, which shall well, remain she... undescribed, because I know, I know people are collecting to the trough of YDLMF who like food. There's, we're, we're getting a, we're the Pied Pipers of piggies. <laughs> Did but, you, hang on, I want to, I've got this mental picture now. Did yes. you sort of reach into the fridge, take out this unspecified item, look at your daughter right in the eye, and then put it in your mouth rather than give <laughs> no, it to her? I actually enticed her to it too. <laughs> God. <laughs> She doesn't need much enticing when it comes to food. She definitely inherited that from her mother. Is this like one of your feet, one of those female lions in the pride teaching the cubs to hunt? You're sort of teaching your daughter to sort of raid the fridge. Well, people do it in a number of different ways, don't they? I mean, it's better raiding the fridge than perhaps committing crimes, which may start out petty and escalate, as we've documented many a time. Well, some might say fridge raiding is a crime. <gasps> crime against good taste. In that case, Ando, I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but can I? Are you I'm... guilty of gluttony in the first degree? <laughs> oh, I'm guilty of God. hate in the first degree. <laughs> you certainly are that. <laughs> it was a tuna sandwich. There's the confession, oh, Benedict. Yeah, I love a tuna sandwich. Mm-mm. It was so delicious. Sandwich. And you know, I worked out it was even more delicious because it was illicit and I had been a an accessory to injustice <laughs> oh god you I don't know, think you're overthinking a tuna sandwich oh it was so lovely because of all that ducking and diving that I thought I'd done and that now yeah, I've over egged yeah but what was it just like a plain tuna and a plain sandwich or was there was it enhanced in some way it's always a bit better if the bread is nice. It wasn't phenomenal bread, but it was good enough. The problem with bread in this country is big, don't you think? Go on then. What, the size of the bread? Mm, not so much the size of the bread, it's the, the quality and the taste. Don't you have an issue with that? I don't you, eat bread. You're not a bready. Well, I, mean, I love bread, but I can't eat it because um, 
uh, I just don't get on with it, so I just tend to eat wraps or just avoid bread. I'd love I love bread though, but bread in bread of bread in Sicily, which is where my folks are from, is not actually that great. The best bread is French bread. Hmm, I'm not I'm... sure about that. Uh-oh. I I like French bread. Um, I have a little issue with the flutes causing a little um, abrasion on the roof of my mouth. Do you not have that effect? No, I don't have that effect. Maybe it's familial, <laughs> because I remember when we used to sit around chomping like gorillas in my family. Everyone used to chomp them down and then moan afterwards. <laughs> Maybe you just got a very low and delicate palate. Well, I know that palates are different shapes now I've had a child. Yes, well, my youngest daughter's palate is a weird shape, because as a small child, she was an inveterate thumb sucker. And despite lots of attempts to stop her sucking her thumb, she kept on. And now, if you reach inside her mouth and push up towards where her soft palate should be, there's nothing but empty air, and she's got this really high-arched soft palate. Okay, I think that that is a natural... I think the thumb sucking came after the palate shape... Because... No, 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 It's widely... Um, come on, you know my ex-wife's a dentist and she knows all that sort of stuff. Oh, what do they it's, know? It's, <laughs> it's widely researched that a th- child sucking the thumb, that, that thumb pushes pressure up and at the time when their bones and uh, they're, they're forming and growing, that pressure causes the soft palate to grow in a, with a high arch. Okay, Ando, suck on this. I've been sucking my thumb for, and I sucked it, (laughs) this sounds really wrong, I sucked my thumb until quite a ripe older child age, and my palate is low, as you said, low and delicate, my daughter however, just four, and her palate is high, but that's the shape of it, they tried to blame it on all sorts of like the breastfeeding things on the palate, and the palate is just made in a hereditary fashion. How did you get? How did you shoehorn breasts into this? What 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 have breasts got to do with um, your daughter's or your palate? Come to that. I've never got a mental image of shoehorning breasts. Do you know that I have to cut out those cackles because they're too interfering with people's eardrums? So you could sound funnier than you do. I don't sound very funny at all. <laughs> so hang on. So I mean, I, I you know I kind of listen to our podcast when I can and don't always listen to them as much as I probably should. But are you telling me that when you edit them, you edit out all the laughter, all the cackling laughter that you do to my pithy but witty comments, and leave in all my laughter at your pithy comments? So it sounds like you're the hilarious one. Well, listen, a lot of your pissy comments need cutting out. May I just say? <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, who's going to not? That that is one of the bonuses to having to do all the donkey work. You do all the donkey work, don't you? Yeah. Poor poor, <laughs> poor poor Victoria Ass Mitzi. <laughs> um, we need a donkey jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm a I'm a donkey. <laughs> oh no, sorry. I'm Benando. <laughs> Benando the donkey. I'm a former BBC News donkey, and <laughs> now I'm doing <laughs> podcasting. And I've also worked for ITN and Sky all over the years. So I've been around the block a few times. As have I, but I'm still on the block because I don't have any privileges to sitting back and writing a book. You're an like old kid some on the around block. here. I'm an old. I'm an old dame on the block. <laughs> Journalist, mother, country dweller. What did you call me? A country bum, not a country bumpkin. No, you've earned the right to be a kin now. You're a bumpkin. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm just a country kin. I'm a country dogger. 
What? Oh, yeah. I've got my <laughs> dogging spurs. No, I haven't. I've just been listening why to old podcasts. But... Why would you say that you're a dogger if you're not a dogger? <laughs> well, it's it hardly you, something to boast about. It makes you about. sit up and go, what? Like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that. I did. Well, should we march on with a little light crime? Well, I mean, there's, there's a fair bit to talk about this week anyway, isn't there? Oh, I didn't finish my intro. Okay, go on, finish your intro. I have lots of hobbies. I really like fitness. And according to my CV, I'm into cinema, <laughs> going to <laughs> concerts and reading. Do you like books, <laughs> movies and games? <laughs> books, movies and games? What's that? Told you I like well, dogging. <laughs> have, you, have you heard of a show called Dating on the Spectrum? No. Oh, uh, no. But I've heard of the undateables. Yeah, it's a bit like that. So my daughter was and her girlfriend were watching it on, I think on on. They Amazon watch a Prime. lot of telly. They do watch a lot of telly. It's pretty much all they do. <laughs> and um, this, this, I think it's, I think it's made in Australia, and it has various sort of people on the uh, autism spectrum going dating. Oh, you should feature on it. I know I should. I'd be very good. But yeah, no, we're, I'd we're like not taking that think... lightly, by the way. I'd like to say that brings with it, obviously, loads of challenges and range of things to take into account in your life. But um, So you have that slightly, don't you, Ben? You have to account for the fact that you lack emotion, <laughs> as you said last podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that about me. I mean, I, I, I did a test for autism a few years did ago. You? An online test. And it did... <laughs> I told you this, and it and it asked questions like, "Do you know when it's your turn to speak on the telephone?" Oh, yes. <laughs> and I thought sometimes I don't know when it's my turn to speak, and I'll be talking to one of my sort of autistic pals, <laughs> and we'll be just talking over each other. What do you mean, like this podcast? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's, that's actually don't, don't don't people are switching off left, right, and centre now. Then, then stop switching off. Stay tuned in. We're going to talk about crime and we can t- cut out a lot of this stuff, can't we? No, we're going to leave that in because I remember oh. you telling me that. And then we developed even more of a problem having telephone conversations. Do you remember? <laughs> yes, I and do. Even, but, but sometimes I get, obviously, because I have a slightly... I don't know, you have a short fuse in some respects and I just <gasps> have a short fuse all the time. How does that My... sound? Is that fair? I think it probably is. I mean, my, my fuse kind of is long until the point when suddenly it's out and then it suddenly rapidly becomes short, just like that. Well, the, sometimes angry. some things get you, like yeah. ordering large glasses of wine in restaurants really gets you. That really... Well, that's white <laughs> wine. You should never... OK, OK, kids, here's a genuine tip. Why would you ever order a large glass of white wine in a restaurant? Because Why all would that you happens... ever go out anywhere with Bernando saying that? Well, all that happens is that the wine comes and you sip at it and you enjoy it, but by the time you're halfway through it, it's got warm. Just have small glasses and have more of them because then they come fresh and cold every time and you've got Can your lovely cool Can I tell you cool what's even more wine. enjoyable than that? Go on. It's being told <laughs> to have small glasses. That's really enjoyable. <laughs> Especially when, actually, my heart was won when I turned up on a date with the father of my daughter and he bought me dumbbells of wine. Dumbbells? <laughs> it works. What are dumbbells of wine? Seriously, he was on his way to work and we oh. met, you know, news shifts. And yeah. um, and dumbbells of wine, like those massive fish bowls of 
you know, a third of a bottle that they give you. And we went somewhere and he's just kept on buying these big, massive things of wine. And I was just like, obviously won over. That's, that's how to romance a lady. <laughs> well, indeed. And then he went off to work. <laughs> well, ha- and he'd had loads of dumbbells of wine. Well, maybe I have to cut that bit out. Yeah, you will have to, yes. <laughs> Otherwise we'll get uh, somebody into trouble. No, he did. He can just, I don't know, I think um, some people are just born, natural-born drinkers. Yeah, but there's also that, there's that way of making yourself sound sober even when you're drunk, isn't there? Just resting your chin on your hand. Is there? Well, you know that trick. I've told you that trick before, surely. I was go- I'm just going to do it now. Does sound sober? <laughs> <laughs> do you not find that as funny as I do? <laughs> I do find it quite funny. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just thoroughly well aware this is all going to be cut out, so... Take us into some crime. Well, you found something which um, looks very interesting. A attempted murder, an attempted murder, in Manchester in front of the mother, in front of her five-year-old. You said that you thought it smacked of Rocky Marciano Price, which we did two podcasts ago. Well, only in... so Yes, I mean, so, um, so Rocky Marciano Price was jailed... Um, a couple of weeks ago for murdering um, Lindsay Burbeck. Um, she was uh, murdered while she was out walking um, uh, in uh, Accrington and then was um, buried in the cemetery there by Rocky Marciano Price, who at the time was age 16. And took her and there in a wheelie was, bin, didn't he? And he took her there in a wheelie bin, yes. So she had left her home, gone walk in a nearby, an area near her home called the Coppice. He apparently had been prowling in the woods looking for lone females and is thought to have killed her shortly after she entered the, the coppice. Um, now, that's, that was that, and that was done. Then what I noticed uh, was that um, just very, very recently, just the other day, um, Greater Manchester Police say that um, a 24-year-old woman who was walking um, in Withington with her five-year-old child, her five-year-old son, um, was approached by um, a man with a knife and stabbed and she apparently suffered stab wounds into the leg to the leg and uh, the, the child wasn't injured um, police really issued images of a man they wanted to question and what they've just said is that a 17 year old has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder now the similarities here that you have a an older woman and you have a, a very young teenage boy, in this case 17, in Rocky Marciano's price, uh, Price's case he was just 16. And I'm intrigued by the similarities between these two cases. Obviously, you know, obviously different people. But the, the similarity in terms of the age profile I think is interesting. And I noticed that the uh, stab wounds are leg wounds. And I'm wondering if this was some kind of initiation, some kind of a, you know, what is it, what do they call, they call it when they stab you in the leg? Is it shanking? Oh, I didn't know. I don't know that. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a like a, a gang ritual, shanking, where you you stab somebody in the leg. The the intention being to hurt without killing, but of course, if you catch somebody in the femoral artery, then they can bleed out very quickly. Um, but yeah, so um, if this woman was stabbed in the legs, she's in a stable condition in hospital, so she's going to be okay. Um, she's not. Um, it wasn't as brutal or vicious or, or deadly an attack as Rocky Marciano Price carried out on Lindsay Burbeck. But I just was sort of interested, of course. Uh, as well as the age profile, there's also the location. It's both of these things happening um, in the sort of the greater Manchester area, certainly northwest England. And uh, the difference being that there was a young boy witnessing 
his mother being stabbed so certainly something which will impact on you for life so um that therein lies the difference but the rest of it is quite similar they have released images did you see that because what you sent me ben had no images with it but um the images i found them on sky um when I googled it, and they're they're fairly clear actually of the guy they want to speak to who's running away. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I did see those images. Yes, yeah, the, the CCTV stuff they released. Okay, and staying with Manchester, moving on to the fact that the serial killer in inverted commas who was on the loose, according to police, re-examining a case in Manchester also of elderly people, has been named. Unfortunately, can't be named to us. But he's been yeah, named. No, to... that's not quite correct. So, okay. Um, this the so what we know is that a couple of weeks ago, the Sunday Times ran this story, having had a uh, having seen a report that was um, compiled by Stephanie Davis, the uh, senior coroner's officer for Cheshire, and she had looked at a number of cold cases involving elderly couples where the cause of death was thought to have been that the husband had murdered the wife and then killed himself murder suicides could you please explain for those newbies to crime who are perhaps just drawn to our comedy instead of the crime aspect of our podcast (laughs) what a cold case is cold case is one where the the book has been closed where in theory the police have decided that they don't have enough evidence to continue an inquiry or in this case actually they they thought they knew what had happened they these these various cases um uh the ainsworths in 1996 the wards in 1999 the higgins in 2000 the martins in 2008 and the wilsons in 2011 all in um, Wilmslow in Cheshire or in Davy Hume in Greater Manchester and one in Kendall in Cumbria. There are lots of similarities in these cases here and also there are lots of there is a lot of evidence particularly from the families of the people involved that actually um, the husband accused of being the murderer and then of killing himself couldn't have done this in one case uh, was suffering from dementia and for various other reasons she has kind of reopened these investigations. Her father's now gone to Cheshire Police. Cheshire Police uh, said they were conducting a review of the findings in the report, which was handed to them last month. Um, Greater Manchester Police have also been investigating as well, because of course some of the, well, some some of the the, the deaths took place in Greater Manchester. Um, I was going to say alleged murders, and um, um, we'll see. I'm going to have to stop you. I don't know what it is that I said that was wrong. No, you didn't say anything wrong. I don't really understand oh. why you then picked up on me. No, no, you said you, you said, said can that's you tell not people quite what correct. Case is? Oh, I see. No, sorry. Yeah, what 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 was not quite quite correct was I think oh, I can't remember what you said that wasn't. Correct. But he can't be named. That's right. Yeah, he, he yeah he's not. That's right. No. Nobody knows his name. The police have identified somebody, but that name hasn't been released. That was the difference. Oh. The police are saying they think this is a, a potential suspect. The suspect is reported to have been very clearly denied being involved in any way. But certainly, this story has got some kind of legs. And I mean. You know, in practical terms, I suppose, you start yourself thinking, OK, let's just say the police are handed this file. The file suggests that if you look at circumstantial evidence around these cases, 
they weren't murder suicides as was originally thought. And just to just to recap here, we've got um, the Ainsworths in 1996, the Wards in 1999, both of those in Wilmslow in Cheshire. In 2000, the uh, Higgins, uh, Michael and Violet Higgins in Didsbury in Greater Manchester, 2008, Kenneth and Eileen Martin in Davy Hume, Greater Manchester, and in 2011, Stanley and Peggy Wilson in Kendall in Cumbria. And all those cases had previously been classified by the police as murder-suicides, where the husband had murdered the wife and then killed himself. Um, Stephanie Davis, the uh, senior coroner, the coroner's officer in Cheshire, had looked again at these and thought, hang on, there are lots of similarities here. She thinks they could be the work of a, a mysterious serial killer. And that's where we got to. Um, but I suppose if you think about it from, a, from the police point of view now, imagine you are in that office and you've seen this report, so you're thinking, okay, there could be something in it. What's your next step? How do you go about actually getting enough evidence together to take to the Crown Prosecution Service so they decide that it's worth charging this particular individual. Oh, are you leading into what might be the next steps? Because I, I believe that DNA would play a big part in that and advances in DNA. I think that's the case, but the, the, what, I, what I don't know is what of the evidence that was found at those particular crime scenes would have been kept. Because if the police have written them off as murder-suicides, and bearing in mind they, they relatively speaking, have they don't have um, an inexhaustible supply of storage space, would, for example... Let, OK, let's say that the couples... At least some of the couples were found on their bed and there was blood on the bed. Now, that would quite, quite probably be from the victims. If there's extraneous DNA there, how, what chances are there of finding it after all this time? Well, I think they've outlined some of the stuff they've got. I think they've got hair and blood. Oh, for DNA, so hair and blood from, uh, from um, people that weren't actually either of the victims. Hang on. And not... Uh, uh, Cape Elizabeth, especially with DNA advances, when Howard and B, we didn't know how to pronounce it, B Ainsworth die, DNA tests could only be carried out on visible objects such as hair and blood. So they have got that, I presume. But that would be hair and blood from B and Howard, one assumes. Oh, we don't know. Yeah. Um, if there is, if they can find third-party DNA, and if they can find the same third-party DNA... Oh, hang on, this least... is important. Sorry. Now surfaces that a suspect may have just touched can be scanned or traces of dna four traces of dna including weapons and clothes so i presume they can do more with what they have it, it is a little obtuse i've got to say some of this some of these areas like the naming i don't really understand why he can't be named the police probably don't want to name him publicly because they don't have enough evidence and it would be it's very um irresponsible of them to name somebody as a suspected well, it's serial not like they killer. Do it in other, they don't do it in other cases, do they? But Well, they have done it in other cases, yeah. and they did it in the case of Cliff, uh, Sir Cliff Richard, and of course that didn't end well. So maybe, arguably, they've learned the lesson of that. And they also did it with um, the suspect in the Joanna Yates murder as well, didn't they? Well, not so much there. I think what happened there was that a lot of the newspapers took one look at... Uh, is it Tim Jeffries, wasn't it? They took oh, one yeah. look at him and they started publishing things that kind of, without actually saying it categorically, sort of suggested that uh, he might well be a suspect. And I think that was what... He, he, was he successfully named. sued as well. He was named. Why is it different if he was named? Well, he, he was her landlord, so he mm. was named on the basis that he was the landlord. And then I think the newspapers pushed it too far in terms of suggesting that he... There are aspects of oh, his appearance. I felt sad about that because he had crazy hair. I've got crazy hair. 
Imagine. <laughs> well, indeed. Yes, exactly. I mean, guilty Fashion of crazy crimes, hair. Ben, perhaps. you could get done for that <laughs> with your Crocs. What? Guilty of crazy hair in the first degree. Guilty of crazy crocking. <laughs> I, I can't be guilty of crazy hair because I've got no hair. <laughs> I just snorted at the croc gag. <laughs> You'd be guilty of crazy, crazy shine. I'm crazy snorting over here because I live in Devon <laughs> and uh, I'm a wild horse now. Crazy, 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 crazy nights. <laughs> um, yeah, so where were we with that? Um, yeah, Playing no, just naming. Golf. Naming. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I can understand why the police aren't naming this person publicly because they don't need to. I mean, sometimes you might name somebody because you want to perhaps encourage other um, potential victims to come forward. But in this case, I suspect that they are simply... Uh, looking at this person's name, looking at their profile, looking to see if there is any clear evidence as to how that person could have carried out these things and, and quite possibly going to talk to them and, uh, and interview them under caution about what uh, they might have done. But as I said, this person is denying that they're involved. But uh, And I think it's going to be really difficult. If you think practically about the realities of this, we sort of, you know, we bandy around, oh, yeah, there's DNA evidence, blah, blah, blah. But actually, the sheer practicalities of finding a tiny DNA sample from this person from five different alleged murder scenes over a period of, what, 96 to 2011. So what's that? 15 years. It's, it's actually a pretty tall order for, for scenes of crimes officers to go in there and find that sort of thing. Um, it also gives an opportunity for other officers to, to look over the case with maybe different experiences and look for different stuff. I mean, we've all watched enough crime stuff on telly to know that... Gillian Anderson needs drafting in. <laughs> yeah, or Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> exactly. This Going cracker. back a few years. Yeah, cracker. Is he still Absolutely. alive? Crazy cracker. Robbie Coltrane is, yeah. Yeah. All right, and uh, thank you to Glamorous News Lady for that, for emailing about that. Ah, uh, good old Glamorous News Lady. I know, but we it know, was actually my Glamorous, glamorous aunt who sent that to me first, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's a news hound as well. <laughs> Everybody's Hello, a news hound these days. listening. Everyone's in the yeah, I know everyone is a news hound, but um you don't you don't always look at the news for a few days, especially if you've been working in it for donkey's years. I remember you telling me that you like to have a break from news. It's true, I do. I did. I yeah, I, do, I don't actually look at the news. You don't avidly watch the 10 if you were on it. <laughs> I never avidly watch the 10. It's at the wrong time of day. What do you mean? Should they change it? Actually, no, I stopped watching the 10. <laughs> Should they make it the all, 11 for you? It was you? all blooming poli- news at when. Um, no, no, 10 o'clock is a good time of day for news, but I'm just... The thing is, nowadays, watching habits have changed, aren't, haven't they? You used to sort of watch what, whatever was on telly, and then at the end of it, it would finish. You'd watch news at 10, then you'd go to bed. Nowadays, you just sort of sit there watching box sets, so you don't need to... Things never end. Oh, yeah. It's like, get out of the way, news. Come on, move over, Clive Myrie. I've got to go and watch some serial killing. <laughs> Well, exactly. Uh, and, and, and happy days. I've got to say, I find I love local news, but these days I'm finding it a little weak. I shan't name any outlets. But do you know we what know I mean? You live in Plymouth. Sorry, I do live in Plymouth. Yeah, it's a lot of like cows in the road stuff. I mean, the, the, what's always... I've never really understood this. Ever since I was I was in local news myself as a radio reporter in uh, I know, Radio Trent in Nottingham. Oh, I loved working in local news. and I was in Nottingham at Radio Trent and I was in Northampton at uh, North Ants 96, the hot FM. <laughs> the tepid FM. <laughs> Did you have to wear hot um, pants to work? Big, big, big shout out to North Am- the mean streets of Northampton. Um, yeah, I, I obviously wear hot pants. I always wore leather hot pants and a leather cap. You know that. <laughs> no, no, I said work. 
That was my, my local radio uniform. I know, I, talking of leather, I did used to have to carry around this huge leather case containing a, a reel-to-reel tape machine with a microphone for portable recording called a Ewer. Yeah, I bet you don't remember Ewers, do you? No, people keep asking me because I obviously look old, so I should remember. <laughs> old, old enough for a Ewer. No, um, so the the thing that always got me was the massive gulf between local news and national news because you'd think they'd be sort of like you know they'd be kind of like a, a seamless transition but in fact when you watch local news bulletins they do feel really local compared to the national news I do mean, you think that's that, more so because that... with london news i never found that but here it's really like okay we go from sort of gaza and you know mass shootings to Floods, floods, quite a big thing here. A lot of weather-related stuff, and I'm not knocking it. That is local news, but it's particularly a different, you know, it's other end of the spectrum. Mm. And then there's a lot think... of stuff of like people sewing things together for charity and stuff, which is sort of newsworthy sometimes. But mm, there's a lot of stuff of people sewing things together for charity. Do you know what I mean? Sad... They're really into sort of fun Sadly, running. Not your lips. <laughs> Listen, you. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, but I think the I think the thing is though. I suppose that if something is a really big story, even in your patch, and it becomes national news, and the local news can't really do it because they can't do it twice in the same show. So there is that. Something I that suppose... I have noticed and commented on is that local, vo- the local vernacular from down here is never national. There are no big journalists from the southwest who have a certainly not a Plymouth accent on the national, and, and they are really pushing local accents, aren't they? And and regional accents, and there are none represented repped by this patch. So what does that say? Well, what it says is there's quite a few regional English accents that are not um, as acceptable as others. I mean, this, this is the long-held thing that if you want to. You know, a, a sort of a, a soft Scottish accent is acceptable, but a broad, broad Glasgow accent probably less so. A sort of a northeast twang is acceptable. Um, a northwest, up to a point, but you rarely hear people on the on the news from London with sort of strong um, black country accents, or you know what what are known as yam yams. And you you also rare, but you also rarely hear people on the on the, the national news with um with sort of broad southwest or or west of England accents, which probably sound a bit have you heard well, a bit one? country bumpkiny. What have you, have you country bumpkiny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you heard any? What on the on the national news? Yes. No, I haven't. I don't no, think no, I have. Why? Right. And to um, think. what's what also the other region that's underrepresented is Newcastle, Geordies. Oh, there's loads of Geordies on the loose. There's there's one, and she moved over from BBC to somewhere else, and then we didn't oh, okay. hear about her anymore. Okay. Well, there's not many broad Norfolk accents either. How does a broad North Norfolk accent go? I'm not going to do an impression of a Norfolk accent. <laughs> what kind of thing? Who speaks like that? I'm not like falling that? into your trap. Norfolk. No, yeah. that's here. Do... Go on. <laughs> It's it's just kind of a, a broad, wide... It's just like Bernard Matthews, isn't it? Bootiful, really bootiful, that kind of thing. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love them to go, and here is so-and-so from Norfolk. <laughs> he and thinks news... everything's beautiful. <laughs> 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 they never say anything different from Norfolk these days. Norfolk's beautiful. That's, I love is it. Norwich beautiful? is a fantastic city. It's a really lovely city, Norwich is. 
Um, um, diddly, um, diddly, um, I think we should get back to the case. Okay. Oh, yes. Something very important to say about this. Go it's on. got a new title. What has? The case. Silver Killer. <laughs> Silver Killer? It's been dubbed the Silver Killer Murders. According to Peter Kirkham, a former detective chief inspector of Scotland Yard. Hello, Peter. Would you like okay. to come on YDLMF? <laughs> oh, we are going to have another guest, by the way. I, I, I'm, I've got to tell you about what I've been up to. Oh, my when, goodness. We've got guests ready, coming out ready. of our ears. <laughs> well, well, kind oh, of. Sorry, going into your ears. Yeah, go on. Oh, well, hang on. I've just Googled Silver Killer and all I'm getting is a tattoo company. Mm. Well, it's here, right here in black and white in the... Sunday Times of August the 30th. Oh dear. But it's according to that guy, isn't it? So it hasn't been sort of coined properly. Yes. What, oh, in the, what next bit? How police will review the case. It's going to cost yeah. a bit though, isn't it? Don't tell yeah, Colin I mean... Sutton. <laughs> Do you think that makes him lose sleep? I asked him if he lost sleep about, you know, these things that these dark individuals did that he dealt with. And he was like, no, no, not at all. But he sounded very (laughs) perturbed by the cost of everything. Yeah. Well, quite right, too. Yeah, exactly. That's his job. I am making light of it. The public pocket is not bottomless. Well, it depends on which organisation you're referring to. Fair enough. I remember you getting lost. I remember you phoning me up, actually, and you're in a right state because you couldn't find this place where you were going to do an interview. They it was were like, a coffee was it, break. Wasn't it something to do with a canal or something? Oh, I've always done canal stuff. <laughs> I've always done what, root canal stuff. <laughs> oh, no, that's coming. That's Thank actually you. coming tomorrow. I've got another appointment with it. I might just turn up at your ex-wife's house and say, come on, kitchen table, here's some spanners. Please help me out. Because <laughs> getting a dentist appointment, I had to pay extra for a covid appointment what do you mean i don't even understand what that means they're adding a 30 something pound charge onto a private filling i'm having for the fact that covid means they have to take extra precautions and i said to them that covid wasn't my fault (laughs) but you obviously think that covid is my fault (laughs) i suppose covid isn't your fault but it's not their fault either and somebody's got to pay for all the additional measures they're having to take what, and they uh, so well not... 120 quid or something was the filling and then an extra 30 that i mean that's really shit beep Uh-oh. <laughs> you're gonna have to make a note of that one <laughs> I'm, I'm not listening to this podcast again to find that beep <laughs> you didn't listen to any of the others to find the beep let me just explain for those of you who are thinking that you've walked into a private joke which is in fact true until now I've that... got one thing to say to you. <laughs> Fuck wank piss plop. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very fun bleeping out all our profanities for our stint in a series on radio. We can tell you now. Hooray. Or so... should we, though, because it might not happen. I mean, it's, these things... Oh. Well, who cares if it doesn't happen, but if it does, you have been That's warned. True. Yes, absolutely. And we'll um, tell you where. Yeah. But it, it has um, been very fun. And if you want to tune in to guess the swear. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's you going. Guess the fuckity boop, fuck. And then it's me going boop, 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 boop as an answer. <laughs> <laughs> we basically used this opportunity, free reign, for years of pent up not being able to swear as broadcasters. Because it's big and clever. It is fucking clever. Oh, listen to you with your sweary mouth. <laughs> Sweary mouth mitts. <laughs> it doesn't. It isn't actually clever. I feel a bit weird. 
<laughs> you? Weird when your daughter listens. Mummy, can I listen to your podcast? No, you fucking can't. <laughs> oh, well, in between the beatings, then she might be able to listen to them. <laughs> and force feeding her gruel or whatever. No, tuna. Tuna. Mm. Well, Mommy, we'd be please, without can we tuna. not have tuna anymore? I'd probably be a bit thinner without tuna. No, I don't think tuna's fanny, is it? Well, it's, just, it's all the stuff you have with it, like the bread and the butter and everything. Do you else. want me to tell you how I did my tuna sandwich? Yes. According, because I was obviously in a guilt stricken <laughs> frenzy of refrigeration, pulling out of the refrigerator. So I, I sliced some cucumber, I chopped some tomato. And I put that through. Seasoning's a bit touch and go with toddlers. Then they go, it's really spicy if you put some pepper in. And she's liable to just sort of, if I put any salt in front of her, she just eats it all. So (laughs) (laughs) literally just sticks her fingers in, licks her fingers. But yesterday, her and her little chum, I gave them some Pringles and they were licking the salt off the Pringles. What am I supposed to say to that? Well, apparently that's part of the reason why a lot of toddlers eat slugs and snails, because they're salty. Oh, right. And and so so are you saying you should have given her a, snug, a slug and snail sandwich instead of tuna? A snuggie. Hey, how about a snuggie sandwich? She'd go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she so, should. While well, I you, scoff you're, my you're... lovely divine tuna, she can have a slug sandwich. So, so the contents of your sandwich were slices of bread, then tuna... Cucumber, tomatoes, no salt, no pepper, uh, mayonnaise or anything? Yeah, squirts of, it has to be Hellman's. Oh, God. <gasps> Do you think they'd like to sponsor us? Hello, Hellman's, oh, I don't know, if but you were listening. You say, if we were on the BBC now, we'd have to say, oh, other brands of mayonnaise are available, but as we're not, we don't. They so are, but fuck, they're not fuck good. Fuck other brands. Other brands I'm really shit. sorry if you're a mass mayonnaise producer and you hate us endorsing that brand. You don't, you don't care about mass mayonnaise producers. I eat they? so <laughs> much mayonnaise that I really have to stand up for Hellman's. And say, I'd really love food packages regularly. <laughs> Apparently that's how they do it. They give you, they pay what? you in food for the sponsorship. They pay you in food. Mm. God, the, the, the sound of your voice saying that was just like, oh my God, they pay you in food. I'm not as bad as some people. The amount of times uh. people have said to me, oh, why don't you come along to this thing? They don't start by going, oh, by the way. They, they say, oh, why am I starting everything with, oh, it's really annoying. They say <laughs> it's free food, it. come along. As if that's it. Does that entice you? Free food? What are we? Like, I can go into my bin well, and get free food. That's the reason most people go to weddings, isn't it? The only reason most people go to a wedding is for free food. Yeah, but that's a by the by because you kind of have to show your face there, don't you? Or maybe the chance of the bunk up with the bridesmaid. Mm, I don't really go for that. I'd go for the food first. Mm, fair <laughs> is that what you go to weddings for, Ben? How um, about your I own? Go... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only reason I went to my own wedding was for the free food. Not the no. bunk up with the bridesmaid. I had a lovely day at my wedding. Did you? Did you have a great yeah, time? It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant. Fast forward twenty five years. Yeah, fast forward twenty five years, things didn't work out, but you know, it was still a lovely, lovely day. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to be. Hor- well, I did mean to be horrible, but it was supposed to be funnier than that. <laughs> it was horrible. It was supposed to be funnier. <laughs> are you saying? Are you, are you saying that my ill disguised sadness wasn't funny? Oh, thank you. Hey, can you say that to Ben? I've got him on the phone. Say what that is. She made a Play-Doh hot dog for me. That's lovely, darling. What, send her away to make a Play-Doh tuna sandwich, surely. He said, I love hot dogs. <laughs> now everybody knows I love hot dogs. <laughs> right, well, I think having a hot dog in my... A, a, a Play-Doh hot dog. I won't say it. You can say it. 
What, having a Play-Doh hot dog in your mouth? <laughs> yes. Does it smell? It does smell of Play-Doh, which is very off-putting because when you smell that smell, you think, oh, it looks quite tasty. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Play-Doh like smell of marzipan or something? Yeah, it does smell of marzipan. I uh, hate marzipan. I know. It puts you right off wanting to sink your teeth into a oh, sausage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, hang on. We've got to remind people. They can chew, They can talk. They can contact us if they want to. They can uh, tweet us at, at YDLMF podcast or they can email us at uh, you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com and we love to hear from people and a big shout out to anybody who's been in touch and all the rest of it yada 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 and big shout out to all the pod- other podcasts who support us too and the biggest shout out above all that is to our listeners because we're chuffed that you tune in week by week we um really appreciate it and that's why we do this exactly and there'll be more next time yeah and we'll be on radio so we'll let you know how to listen we'll put it on our twitter at ydlmf yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> On that note, should we say goodbye to all the podcast listeners? Goodbye. <laughs>